What a great song. Is it well with you this morning? I certainly hope it is well. I know that uh, there are struggles that go on in this world, and sometimes we wonder why they happen and what takes place and why certain things go on. Uh, I had a person call me yesterday. I was getting ready to go into a memorial service and uh, celebration of life, and they called from back, I think, maybe Indiana. And the question was, why do, why do good people struggle? Why do they go through hard times? A couple that was in the church a long time ago, a number of years ago, a couple of years ago at least. What, uh, why do we have that? Why do we have struggles? Our secretary is... Uh, back with her family today, Midwest uh, nephew, about 24 years of age, went home to be with the Lord this week. And, you know, I know that they're probably asking questions like that. Strong Christian family. They're getting ready. The uh, parents are getting ready to go to Germany on a mission trip. They were, and, and stay there. They were in the Philippines for years. And yet one son is gone out of seven uh, today. And he's with the Lord. I have no doubt about that. But uh, we go through various struggles and various problems, and we probably ask, why, Lord? Why are we going through these things? And so I want to ask that question this morning. What's your problem? Uh, Paco told me when I, he read my title again this morning, he says, those are fighting words. Uh, that's not the intent. The intent is to say, why do, we, why do we deal with some of the issues we deal with? What's the thing that goes on in this world that causes some of the problems we've had. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 3 this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, be sure to take them out. If you don't have a Bible you would like to follow along, raise your hand and David will make you sure you get one. We're really going to be doing a Bible study through the first several verses, so it, it's good to have a Bible to go along and study as we go. But uh, we've been talking about the basics of uh, Bible basics, and we talked about the fact that we can know there is a God and who God is by the Bible. We talked about the Bible, the fact that the Bible is a reliable book, that, that we can put our trust in it. And uh, then we talked about the idea of the creation of man last week, how God created man in his image. In his image, he created them. It says male and female, he created them. Gender is not the issue. But probably things like... Uh, intellect, the ability to think, the ability to process. It deals with the idea of our mind. We have a mind uh, that's different from all of the other created beings, created animals and things that God created. It's something special. And then uh, we would think of our heart, the emotion. Uh, man is an emotional being. God is an emotional being. Do you think about that, the fact that, that God sometimes it talks about his anger and wrath and Yet we also hear the Bible speak of the fact that we are to have joy and we're to have peace. And so those emotions are part of who we are, and that, that comes from that picture of our relationship with him, our heart. And then it says, when God created man, he breathed into him and he became a living being, or the term would be soul. Uh, we became a being, our soul, and, and that has a lot to do with our ability to make decisions and uh, our will. Having a, a will, and the will gives us a freedom to choose. It's a self-determining thing to make choices according to uh, whether God's will or in opposition to God's will. You know, do we always make the right choices? I, I'm afraid I don't. 
uh, all the time. I would hope I do most of the time, but there are those times that I know that, boy, I, I, I should have made a different choice. I should have gone a different direction uh, instead of making the choice I did. But we talk about it as freedom. We talk about it as responsibility. You know, a lot of times we glory in our freedoms, and I think that's great, but freedom calls for responsibility. And being able to stop and process what's important and what isn't. And so do we choose the will of God? Do we make wise choices all the time? You know, it has a lot to do with the idea, and I, I use that term, choosing Jesus. Do we choose Jesus? Do we choose what he desires? Back in John, the, uh, the 14th chapter, in the 15th verse, Jesus made a statement. He says, if you love me, and I, I, I paraphrased it, I changed it. It says, uh, if you love me, you'll choose me. Really says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll do what I ask you to do. We go back on over to the 22nd verse of, of uh, John 14, 22 and 23. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. He'll make the right choice. My father will love him and he will come to him or we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me, oh, he doesn't keep my words. And the, the word which you hear is not my, mine, but it's the father's who sent me. It's the father that says this. You know, it says in, in John 6:33, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That means your choices are in terms with his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And then it's talking about the material things of this earth, the things we need, and it says all these things are going to be added to you. God makes a promise there. But it has to do with our choosing him first before other things. And, and so because we have this will, this freedom of choice, we have the right to make those decisions Adam and Eve had that choice. We're going to get into that a little more. They had a choice to either choose what God told them to do or choose something else. There was a tree of knowledge of good and evil within the Garden of Eden where God placed them. And sadly to say, they made the wrong choice. And because they made that choice, it affects all of us. But they had that, that freedom. God, uh, I thought about it, God could easily have child-proofed the garden, don't you think? <laughs> you know, you can eat of all the other trees, but I'm not even going to put that one there. In fact, I'm going to put it up here where you can't get to it. That's what we do with our kids, isn't it? <laughs> you think that when they're little, you know, we just got to get it up here. Do you know what? They learn to climb. They still get to stuff, and uh, that's just the way they are because that's the way humans are. We sometimes go where we shouldn't go, but when we have the opportunity to choose God, that's when our, our love for him becomes a reality. And without choice, we just live a, a fatalistic life. We're just like robots that are just programmed to go and do whatever God tells us to do. And then we don't get in trouble, but we don't have the ability to really respond back to God either, do we? We don't really have the ability to love God as God would have us to love him. I've got to tell you this morning, uh, in terms of sin, because that's really what we're talking about. That's not why I'm dressed in black, by the way. Uh, but uh, it just happened to be the way it went this morning. But in terms of sin, God did not create sin, and he did not make us to sin. Within his decree, he made the possibility, because he told us what we 
could do, and yet he gave us a free will so that we tend to do that which is sometimes the opposite of what God says. We miss the mark of what God says we should do. But if you go back in, in James, there's a, an important statement concerning God and his relationship with us and about who he is. And in verse 13 of James 1, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. In other words, he's never, because he's holy, he's not going to commit anything that's sinful. He cannot have anything to do with sin. He's not tempted by evil. He himself doesn't tempt anyone. So I can't say it's God that made me do this. God tempted me to do whatever it is. But each one is tempted when he's carried away. He's enticed by his own lust. And then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And that's where sin comes in, what we're talking about, our problem. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. It's the good things that come from God. Every good and perfect gift is coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation, no shifting of shadows. But he does not cause us to do that which is not right. And I'm going to tell you today, there's nothing in all of creation. I don't believe there's anything in all of creation that can cause you to sin other than yourself. You know, we have... Three primary enemies as Christians. Number one is Satan, okay? Satan can tempt you. He tempted Jesus. When Jesus was in Matthew 4, it says he was carried out into the wilderness to be tempted, and he was tempted three times, and each time Jesus very simply responded, it is written and gave scripture. And he didn't do what Satan wanted him to do. He had a choice. Now, could Jesus have sinned? No, because Jesus is God. But that's one of those things we get into in our theological issues. Could he or couldn't he have? But he was tempted in his humanity. And he said, it's written. And he gave the scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone, but only by the word of God. Um, how many of you remember? I've used his, his name a few times, but years ago, there was a comedian by the name of Flip Wilson. Do any of you remember him? Yeah, a number of you remember Flip. And Flip's thing was he, he would play the part of Geraldine. And Geraldine would come on and say, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. You remember that? No, Flip, the devil didn't make you do it. You did it all on your own. And, uh, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says there's no temptation. No temptation. Whatever you're experiencing that takes you out of the will of God, there's no temptation overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Somebody's already experienced a similar situation to what you're going through. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with a temptation will provide a way of escape that you may be able to stand up under it or endure it. And you know, some people take that verse and they say, well, God will never give you anything that you can't handle. It's not what the verse says. You may have a few things that you can't handle, but God will always give you the power to deal with it. That's his promise. And so we look at that and we realize that we have a God who cares. Number one, Satan's an enemy. Number two, the world system. And all you have to do is look at what's going on in the world today and how far removed it is from the word of God and know that that's an enemy and how easy it is to be enticed away from the things of God by what you see in the world. 
to begin to think what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong. I have a choice. My choice, I either respond according to the word of God, according to the will of God, or according to the will of the world and Satan. But God gave a moral choice to Adam and Eve. And as we go back to uh, Genesis chapter 2, we, we hit on this last week. In verse 15 through 17 of, of Genesis 2, it says, the Lord, took, the Lord God took the man and he put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it, to keep it. Adam had a job. He had a responsibility. He didn't just hang out and lay in the hammock. It says, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, from any tree in the garden you may eat freely, but here is the choice. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. And here's the consequence, because there's always a consequence to our sin, always a consequence to our decisions. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. And then it goes on in verse 18, And the Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone, and I'll make a helper suitable for him. And of course he made Eve. Uh, but there was a moral test, and he actually gave it to man before he gave him his wife. And uh, I think that's interesting that Adam had that from the very beginning. And it's a, a test of his obedience, of his love for God. So let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Got your Bibles? We're just going to start with that first verse. Says the serpent, and uh, this would be Satan. And if you go back to Revelation chapter 12, it calls him um, the serpent or the devil of old and, and, and gives a number of different names to him. Uh, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, and the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, she was out there, and I think Adam was with her from what I read. It says, Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree. He was called a, a serpent in, in Revelation 12, 9. He was, he was called a dragon. But let me ask you something, because here it comes. There is a question implanted in Eve's mind. Is it really wrong? That's, that's where the test comes, isn't it? That's where the temptation comes. Has God really said you can't eat of any tree in the garden? Eve, of course, goes on in that next verse, and she gives a reply because Eve knew exactly what they were to do. It says, uh, she said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it. This was emphatic with her, or you will die. You will die. So let me ask you, if you have temptation like Eve, all of a sudden, here's the serpent coming and saying, wow, look at this tree, and it really looks good. That fruit, it is amazing looking fruit. God really say you shouldn't eat from it. And if you're like me, your mind begins to go, hmm, I wonder if it really is so bad. Can, can I take it? How do you avoid temptation? There's a question we all have. How do you avoid being tempted? 
Number one, I think, is I just quoted that verse from 1 Corinthians 10, 31, or 13. Remember that God said there's no temptation overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Others have been tempted just like you. You're not going through something new. You're not the only one that's ever experienced this, whatever it is. Moral issues, uh, honesty issues, integrity issues, an issue to cheat just a little bit. You know, tax days coming up. Maybe some of you have already done them. You know, that's one of the big issues for a lot of people in America. No temptation overtaken you, but somebody else has already gone through it. But God says, don't worry about it, because if you're relying on me, I'm going to give you a way out. You don't have to fall into it. So number one, realize the presence of God. Realize the promise of God. And then number two, know what the Bible says God will do. You've got to know the Bible. It's what Eve did. She went back to what God said. This is what God said. He says, you can eat of all the other trees, but you can't eat of this one. When Jesus was tempted in Matthew, he said, the scripture says... In Psalms 119, verse 9, it says, How shall a young man or young woman, we'll put that in there, old man or old woman or child, whatever, how shall a person keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. And then he made this statement. This is David writing, and he says, Your word I've treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so the first thing you need to do is you need to begin to hide the Bible away in your heart. You need to begin to spend time studying it and reading it and memorizing it. We are reading through the book or through the New Testament again this year. We started in uh, the book of Mark this last week. And I would encourage you, if you don't have a reading program, it's in your program every week. And you begin to read the Bible. And you begin to take notes and and maybe underline some things. Don't be afraid to write in that Bible. It's your tool. And, and you can use it so that you can go back and understand what God says. Or keep a notebook handy. I really think the idea of a notebook. But you, you hide those things away. And with every week, we're going to give you a memory verse that you can memorize and you can put it away. You look at the positives and the negatives of the command. I think it's important that we know the positive things just as much as the negatives. Uh, too often we tend to focus on the negatives. Do you ever do that? Man, I grew up in a legalistic church, and all I heard was the things I shouldn't do rather than the things I should do. But here Eve starts out, and she says in verse 2, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. Just stop and look at all the things God says you can do. Wow, there's so many of them. But then she says there's one tree. One tree that's in the middle of the garden, and we can't eat that. You need to know the prohibitions. You need to know what God says not to do, but start with the things that God says you can do. Don't focus on the negatives. Do you know how we judge people? We judge them by their negatives, don't we? When I grew up, I had a whole list of negatives that I could judge people by and decide whether they were good Christians or not. And I think too often I missed the good things. I remember a man by the name of Johnny Morris. Johnny Morris was in our church. He was such an amazing individual. He'd come to know the Lord late in life. I think from what I understood, he was kind of a counselor to the pastor. He'd be in there and he'd talk to the pastor. But 
Johnny had a habit that in our church you didn't do. He smoked. And I remember the first time I, thought I saw him smoking, I thought, oh, that can't be Johnny Morris, because that was one of my negatives. And Johnny had such an amazing, positive attitude. And he loved the Lord so dearly. And he was such a special individual. And what I had to do was go back and realize it isn't the negatives that I needed to judge John by, but it was his positives. An older man that had been known to be abusive in his family. And then when he came to know the Lord, there was a total change, a total transformation. You know, Peter grew up with all kinds of negatives. He, he had all kinds of things that if you did those as a Jew, you couldn't really be a good Jew. And there was dietary laws and things that were not right. And uh, when Jesus Christ came down, some of those laws changed. And in order to go to the Gentiles, there had to be a transformation in terms of what was acceptable and what wasn't. And God wanted Peter to go to a man by the name of Cornelius. And so he sent some men from Cornelius to get Peter, but in order for Peter to have an impact on Gentile believers, he had to change his own heart. He had to know what was acceptable. And so verse 9 of Acts chapter 10, it says, On the next day as they were on their way and approaching the city, these people from Cornelius, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. But he became hungry and desired to eat. How many of you have ever stopped to pray, and about the time you're in the middle of your prayer, I think, man, I'm getting hungry. I'd sure like to get something to drink. I, I, I think I'll go check this out or check that out. Man, there's all kinds of things that interrupt our prayers, aren't there? He went up on the housetop to pray, but he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while he, they were making preparations, they were fixing his sandwich he fell into a trance, and he saw the sky open up, and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by the four corners to the ground, and there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. <laughs> Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy. He was kosher, nothing unclean. And again, the voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed is no longer considered unholy. This happened three times, and immediately the object was taken away. But you see, Peter needed to have a change from understanding what was negative that he could do to what was positive. And sometimes in our lives, if we've been raised with certain taboos that really aren't scriptural, we judge people by those rules and regulations that have been laid out. We have to change from the negative to the positive. We have to see things as God sees them, not as man sees them. And that, that brings us into the right relationship in terms of our temptations. The, the third thing I'd say about temptations of how to avoid them is, uh, Number one, remember God's going to give you the power to, over, and to, to take care of him. Number two, know what's negative and positive and follow that which is positive. Number three, don't go where you're going to be tempted. Boy, that's an easy thing. I'm not sure where Eve was that day, but I have an idea she was standing by that tree. Here she's got this great big garden with all these different trees. She could have a 
She could have some oranges or apples or guavas or kumquats or whatever she wanted. And she went to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that she had never eaten of. She was not to eat. And that's where she was. And maybe you have a habit. You've had something you've struggled with for years. And you've given it up. Don't go back where you were when you were involved in those things. It's oftentimes a change of lifestyle. But, you know, you can, you can be with the people that you used to hang out with before, and they're all involved in the same things they are always doing, and they say, here, join me. And, boy, it's easy to fall into the temptation. doesn't mean you change all your friends. But it does mean you need to be careful about where you go and who you're with and not to fall into temptation again. And so, you know, I would just, if, if I were you, I would maybe sit down with a piece of paper and just write down those things that were a problem for you in the past and say, how do I avoid them and where did I get involved in them and how do I stay away from there? Because it's the way you're going to change your life. If you keep going back where you were before, you're going to fall into the same old habits in time. Because you'll be at a time when you're kind of weak and somebody will say, here. And you'll fall into it. Young people, don't end up in a car with a bunch of people that are your, your peers and they start passing a joint or something around. That's time to get out. Don't stay there. Avoid the place of temptation, and that certainly goes for adults, maybe young, more than young people, because we've gone through uh, more habitual type things than others have. But don't get caught up with them. So we determine what's wrong. Satan went from simply <laughs> making Eve question the Lord to actually telling her that, well, what he says is wrong. Let's go to verses 4 and 5. It says, the serpent said to the woman, you sure, surely will not die. You, you don't believe that, do you? For God knows that in the day, now well, let's look at this, God knows in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from the fruit and she ate. But Satan implanted a lie in her heart and she bought it. You won't die. It's a lie. You know, there are three, um, three areas in which we sin. Back in 1 John, in the second chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, it says, don't love the world or the things in the world. And I talked about the whole world system a minute ago. It says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh it says the lust but it said that simply means an intense desire the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the boastful pride of life they're not from the father but it's from the world if it feels good i i think of that lust of the flesh there's an old term we used to use if it feels good do it a lot of times when it feels good you better not do it 
because it's probably outside of the will of God. You know, I've got to tell you what. Some people think that, that sin's really terrible stuff. We, we don't want to be involved in sin. I'm going to tell you something. I've been around long enough. My hair is white, okay? I know a lot of times sin's fun. It's enjoyable. But it will do damage. And it is destructive. And sometimes the most enjoyable things are the most destructive. Our relationships, when we go outside of the will of God in terms of our physical relationships, our sexual relationships, we're not where God wants us to be, can be extremely damaging. I read about a man that uh, was going to go on a picnic, and he, and he had his lady in the car, and they stopped probably at KFC to get a bucket of chicken, and they were on their way to the picnic, and he got the bucket, and he was driving off, and when he looked in the bucket, he realized that was all the day's receipts. All the money was in there, about 9000 bucks. And he went, oh, no, I can't keep this. And, and he took the money back, and he says, I want to trade this for my bucket of chicken. The owner was just amazed. Oh, man. Well, you're, you're amazing. I've, I've, I've got a call. We've got to get this on the net. We've got to get it on the web. This will go viral. One honest person. I think this is fantastic. We'll call the, the TV station. I want them to come down and do a, a spot on you. And the man said, no, 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 no. I don't want that. I just want my chicken. I want to be able to get my chicken and go. Please give me my bucket. Of, oh, no. One honest man. We've got, to, we've got to do something about this. People need to know that you're here. And you set an example for us. People need to see your honesty. And the man said, no. Just want my chicken. <laughs> Finally, the store owner looked out and he said, "Well, I see your wife out there, and you know, bring her on in, and and, and we'll we'll give you something extra just because you're so good, and we'll we'll make sure it gets on the web." And he said, "No, that's the problem." He says, "My wife's at home. That's my girlfriend, and we're going on a picnic." If it feels good, do it. No. Sometimes we fall into situations, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes. Just got to have that. I think of some of the people that are snatching, grabbing, and doing the shoplifting today. And I think they see things that they just have to have, and they take it by force. Pride of life. Wow. Wow. You know, for Eve, if, if she just ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she would be like God. She liked God. He came and he walked with them in the garden. We have um, reached a point where oftentimes... In terms of temptation, we don't even know the difference between right and wrong anymore and the consequences of our actions. What's right becomes acceptable. I read an article this week of a bill that came before the Colorado legislature. I don't know if you all heard about it or not. Uh, the person that recommended it said it was a murder bill. There were actually two bills. One bill had to do with abortion. It had to do if, if the, a child could not be aborted after the 22nd week 
of pregnancy. That put it out about five, five and a half months. A lot of children live that are born after six months. The second bill was that if a child is born during the abortion as a result or as a result of the abortion and it lives, a doctor must give it the same medical attention he would any other child that was born. And the legislature of Colorado turned it down. And you let the child, which is living, die. But you see, we've reached a point in America where we fail to understand right and wrong anymore. We fail to understand what is acceptable before God and what isn't. It started out with it's a woman's right to choose. And, and I can logically say, okay, I understand that. But now it's the living child that's outside that we're dealing with. And that goes way beyond that. How does a doctor who takes the Hippocratic Oath deal with that kind of law? It's hard. But that's sin, folks. That's the impact it's had on our society. And, and if we are to avoid sin, we need to understand what's right and wrong and deal with that. Well, what are the consequences? I want to deal just, just briefly with the consequences here. Well, we're really at a, a time crunch at this point, and I don't want to take you too far over based on what everything I have. Uh, so I'm going to come back. But let me just, let me just take you back to Revela or Genesis once again. I get Genesis and Revelations mixed up all the time. Um, Eve knew right and wrong, and she took the fruit... Verse 7, verse 6, she took from the tree and she ate it and she gave to her husband and he ate. She gave to her husband and he ate. I, I get the idea that Eve was deceived by the serpent but her husband knew what he was doing and he still ate. And the eyes of them were both opened. I, I have quite a bit I want to deal with on the idea of how do we respond as a result of sin? Just briefly, sin destroys relationships. It destroys relationships between us and God. And it destroys relationships between one another. Because you know what they did, and I'm going to come back to it next week. They hid because of their sin. And I don't like people to know when I mess up, so I hide. But if you find me in my sin, I may attack. And that's exactly what happens as a real result of sin in marriages, between parents and kids, between us and God. And so sin is extremely destructive. We're going to come back and we're going to hit on this next week and then we're going to move on to what is the answer. What's God's answer for us? Because it doesn't have to control our life and it doesn't have to dominate us. And I want you to understand that there is an answer. It's hopeless if you just read this and you get to this point and then we get back to what God tells Adam and Eve about the consequences of their sin and we go, wow. And it's to the whole world, wow. And yet God says, I have an answer. We see the first one in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. 
And we'll come back to that. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, you know, we didn't get through it all today, but that's okay. I, I hope everybody comes back. Bring them back next week to find out where we're going with this and, and what you teach us, because this is so important. It's Bible basics, Father. Everybody should have this down. We need to know this stuff. And help us to get it so that it makes a change in our lives, so that it, it transforms us into those people you want us to be, Father, the people that honor you and glorify you, the individuals that <laughs> make right choices, that make right decisions, Father. You know, every person here makes a decision every day, at least one, if not a whole lot more, of whether they're going to choose Jesus or choose the world or choose Satan or choose their own flesh. Every day we make those decisions, Father, and it's so important that we make the right ones. Because, Father, it impacts our marriages. It impacts our relationship with you first, but it impacts our marriages. It impacts our relationship with our kids. I know that when our kids slip away, they're on the wrong direction, they're wrong path. All of a sudden, they aren't wanting to talk to mom and dad very much anymore. And they begin to hide what's going on in their lives because they're afraid mom and dad or somebody else might find out. And it destroys families, Father. It destroys nations. We are living in a nation today that is divided by our decisions of what's right and wrong, what's morally acceptable and isn't morally acceptable. And I don't think it's just one side or the other, Father. A lot of pride, a lot of pride of life. And so, Father, I do pray for our nation. I pray for our leaders, each and every one of them, that they might see your will. But, Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the time that we've had to look at this and then help us move ahead next week and get into this whole idea of, of what happens to our relationships when we sin. Father, I pray that you'd bless each individual here as they go away from here this morning. Encourage them, strengthen them, support them in their walk with you, Father. Might they truly find you sufficient to meet every need that they have in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.